we study God's word at music camp and God commands us to sing as to let his word dwell in us richly in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're to worship him musically. We're to proclaim his word musically. And so we want to train up our, our students, our children, to be able to sing skillfully with music, to understand what they're doing. The Bible says sing with understanding. But it's all couched in studying God's word, growing up as Christian worshipers. The default in our culture today is to be a music consumer. We are conditioned by the age we live in and the technology we have to be people who listen to music and it's an important part of our life. But we have lost something that our forefathers knew, which was being active participants in music. It used to be if you wanted music, you had to make the music. And now we, we just press a button. But uh, these students uh, are learning through the course of their time at music camp, not to be music consumers, but to be active participants in making music. So not only to learn how to sing well, how to understand music as it's written on a page and how it comes together in a group environment, but to be able to take those experiences and have them be the seeds that are planted for their involvement their whole life in the musical life of the church. We want these students to be the next wave of worshipers in the church who know how to sing to God. Hey, welcome to Cross Politic. I'm the Chocolate Knox. Pastor Toby and Gabe are still on vacation, and you're stuck with me giving you some uh, tops and tails for the shows that we're going to be having this week. I'm really excited about this one. Today, we have none other than the Reverend Bishop Dr. Thomas Price, listen, uh, Tom Price, you know who Tom Price is, because if you have the Fight, Laugh, Feast app, you listen to the Theology podcast with Tom Price, Glenn Sunshine, and C.R. Wiley, those guys are phenomenal. There isn't another show, maybe except for Knox Unplugged, plug myself, there isn't another show that I can think of that has high-end theological thinking in a blue-collar way outside of the Theology Podcast. It's one of my favorite shows to listen to. These guys are brilliant. Tom Price, second to none, right? And he, when I was working on a documentary for Founders, uh, By What Standard, I remember we sat down in a car and had a conversation, uh, kind of what was going on with the Southern Baptist Convention, where they were at, and, you know, he said, oh, yeah, it's all Kantian. And I just started shaking my head like, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody say something. You're like, how do you get out of it? You don't look stupid. And uh, he starts breaking down Kantianism. And I'm like, <clears throat> when you say Kantianism, what is that? You know, and he took a step back and started working through this worldview. I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to listen to this. One of the it's one of the most important names that no one ever brings up in conversation anymore. But it's it's a lot of the ideas behind how we work. I think another one was Machiavelli, like the Machiavellianism is another one too. just grasping for power and forgetting the ideas of offices and order and real governments. But I, I want you to take the time and listen to Dr. Tom Price talk about Kantianism. Hey, y'all, welcome to Cross Politic on the Tuesday Fix. I don't know. That's nah, not what we call it. This. I don't know. It's good no. to be with you guys. I need to work it's on the Tuesday, a name. Tuesday Throwdown. Tuesday Throwdown. Surprise or Tuesday. Thursday Throwdown. I don't know. I don't know. It's Tuesday. Yeah. We got to come right. up with something like that. We're working on it. I'm so excited. Hey, for thank you for joining us on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. 
Make sure you guys join us in Nashville October 1st through the 3rd at our Fight Laugh Feast Conference. It's happening. We, Nashville is open. We're doing it. We're probably going to be the only Christian conference uh, that's happening in the fall, which we're actually well, pretty excited well, about. Well, don't I'm forget. I, I forgot about Grace Jenner. Uh-huh. And Gra- Grace Gra- Jenner is Gra- happening Gra- in August. Gra- that's right. Gra- Grace Jenner is happening too. So it's a uh, warm-up August, conference. Uh, 14th and 15th, I believe. That's here yeah. in Moscow. And it's and, free. And it's free, like Grace. And we are also doing a, uh, a meet-and-greet, cross-Baltic meet-and-greet. Yeah. It, along with Doan Creative Agencies, yeah, at, Doan's got this big barn that he's remodeled. Into oh, we're gonna nice par- we're gonna party there. Yeah, party in the barn, there. So, Yeah, party so that's Saturday night. Grace agenda. It'll be on the agenda when you guys show up here in Moscow also, in August. Don't forget to download the app. It's where you can get all of the shows on the network, including in the bullpen with Mark Dewey. Man, I love that show. Who's still hitting grand slams. And, yeah. and we got some more shows that we're gonna be dropping. I, I, as a pitcher, I don't think he likes that term. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, keeps, he keeps throwing no hitters. <laughs> there he, he goes. He, he keeps striking out. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. That's not it. Darn it. Darn it. Hey, with us right now on the line, oh, we I'm got so excited. Dr. Tom Price. Yes. He is uh, adjunct faculty at University of St. Joseph and Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. He studied at the University of Oxford in systematics and ethics, so don't mess with him. Also, you probably know him as one of the main characters at the Theology Podcast. That's how I know him. Yeah. How, yeah. And he's also married to Sandra. They have two children together, and he plays jazz guitar, so that's what? just another reason. Where's that guitar at? Don't I, mess I, I with him. I want him. a little some of that. Where's that at? <laughs> <laughs> Tom, thanks so much for joining us on Cross Politic. It's my honor to be here. Uh, a big fan. Uh, listen regularly. And, Stop. Uh, always, always love it um, when we don't only uh, t- speak to each other indirectly, but it's things like this. In, 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 well, this is still indirect. So, but anyway, <laughs> it's 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 a simulated indirect uh, direct. It, it, may, it really makes me a little nervous that you related. listen to the show. I, I just want you to know that, Tom. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm he's gonna... like, their systematics are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of all of that, actually, um, we want to talk to you today basically about the broad topic of just the fact that ideas have consequences. I, I remember actually in history class in, in 10th grade, my, my, one of my best teachers in high school actually just, I mean, she would say that all the time. Ideas have consequences. Yeah. Ideas have consequences. As a man thinks, so is he. Yeah. And, and I think we, we say that a lot. Uh, Christians maybe hear that a lot and then don't realize how true it is until it's come pummeling down on top of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so Knox and I and, and, and Waterboy were talking the other day about all the craziness going on. We got the COVID crazy. We got uh, the mob crazy. We got statues getting pulled down. We got Black Lives Matter. We got Antifa. I Christian know. capitulation. And, and we got the yeah. church <laughs> basically right. running behind all of it, yeah. trying to keep up, trying to be as cool yeah. as the mob. And Knox said he had a great conversation with you. Phenomenal. Uh, uh, on Kant, Immanuel Kant. And he said, what we need to talk about is we need to talk to Tom Price about Immanuel Kant. Yeah. And of course, I had no idea what he meant. <laughs> we about <laughs> but, to find out today. But, but I was immediately intrigued. So yes. who was Kant? And maybe begin to sketch for us, how does he haunt us today? Excellent introduction. And um, Kant is a huge topic in one way, so what I have to do is a little bit of narrowing here. And, um, and when I use the term Kant and make a reference to Immanuel Kant, I am referencing the person, but I'm also referencing him sort of as a representational type. Yeah. And what do I mean by that? 
What I mean is he he sets he he both brought certain strands of thinking to a culmination, and then he gave such a definitive form to certain ways of thinking and and, and understanding that he set the conditions for mm. things that followed. Yeah. So when I speak of Kantian, you know, Kantian man, I steal that term from Iris Murdoch, the famous uh, Oxford philosopher. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Personally, right. <laughs> um, and, 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 but but the, the way that term is used is more in terms of sort of a representational type. So, yeah. yes, Kant was a, a, a sort of enlightenment or some will call a counter enlightenment philosopher. Um, and uh, really, in many ways, brought the Enlightenment to one of its most extreme points of intensification in terms of it, its concepts and its thinking. Um, on the other hand, Kant unleashed a set of forces um, that probably would be forces he wouldn't even like, um, and they help set the conditions for what we are seeing unfold all around us. So he becomes kind of a, a very significant type for us to kind of enter a conversation about getting a grip on these forces, um, as you mentioned, ideas in particular, that are shaping and impacting. Now, I do want to qualify this really quickly. When you talk about ideas having consequences, that already brings us into a whole field of problems that are a consequence of Kant. Oh, man, he just called me Kant. Yeah, God. <laughs> we couldn't even get started. No, no hold, hold on. Hold on. Actually, I'm, I'm going to actually defend you saying oh, that you, okay. you, don't, you don't end up um, where the Kantian trajectory ends up now by saying that. Because for Kant, it's not, well, for Kant, ideas are going to be understood in a very unique way. Mm. But in the history, way far down the line, closer to us, Ideas are not what have consequences. Other kinds of forces are what produce ideas. So ideas are the consequence. For oh. example, oh. ideas, um, the idea of, of, of myself as a biological male, right? Uh. <laughs> um, that would be considered uh. in a post-Kantian world that rips itself from some of the things he originally said in such a way that it's a byproduct of historical forces and material forces and economic forces. So the uh, flip side is ideas are the consequence yeah. of other things, not right. the drivers. But that's way down the line. Okay. Let's go back to Woo! why I brought Kant up. Wow. <laughs> yeah. um, the reason I, I brought Kant up, uh, especially in the conversation that we were having, uh, David and I were having, is we're really uh, taking a look at some of the trends in the evangelical world in particular and in church and what made it soft ground for the embrace of things that, yeah. that clearly um, conflict with classical understandings of Christianity and salvation yeah. and, and, um, and start to redefine those things in terms of trends that are fashionable, popular, but also destructive. And so that was sort of what brought us into that conversation. Right. Yeah. And I oftentimes introduce, when I'm talking about this topic to my class, I said, what is it about the early Christian message when the gospel first went out? It was seen as, as the answer to human liberation from idols and a true freedom 
to enact our creatureliness in accord with our created purposes. How do we go from that radical sense of gospel freedom to the gospel being something that we now need to be freed from, right? Wow. Christianity used to be the message of good news. Now it's seen as part of the structures of oppression right. that we need to be liberated from. Something happens both to the Christian, you know, to to Christianity in this process, but also to our understanding of salvation and freedom. And so that is part of what I was trying to get after when I was talking to, to David, is that this notion of freedom that we often have floating around, especially in the Protestant and evangelical world, um, oftentimes has a lot more indebtedness to the Enlightenment and to Manuel Kant than to the classical understanding of Christian freedom, freedom to truthfully enact who we are in Christ, freedom where freedom and law are not in opposition. Right. Um, and so, and and so, what what I was getting at is one of the key types that kind of helps us unpack why evangelicals have embraced more of a Enlightenment Kantian vision is because of its absorption and its lack of defense against these kinds of ideas, as you mentioned, as they've infiltrated from the rest of culture and its institutions and, and uh, forces. So, so, so well, Tom, mm -hmm. um, uh, you actually made a lot of connections for me with the social justice movement, but before we get to that part of this conversation, yeah. um, mm -hmm. Kant was kind of dead smack uh, between the first great awakening and the second great awakening. Yeah, and so it's it seemed like uh, he really his ideas uh, really took hold in the Second Great Awakening and how that all yeah. shook out here in America, and that yes. that is set the church on a trajectory that where we're at right now. Can you maybe uh, flesh that out a little bit? Yeah, and talk to the dumb people in the room, me, <laughs> uh, just like yeah, what is yeah Kant himself? What is what was his ideas? Yeah, well, what what did uh, what did Kant bring? Um, that would be a good way. And then how did that kind of uh, play itself out and, and impact uh, the, the evangelical church in the U.S. too? Well, um, Kant was, was uh, late um, 18th century thinker, and he was engaged in the core philosophical debates of his age, in particular with the skeptic David Hume. Yeah. And one of the things that David Hume had brought into philosophy was a radical skepticism. Now, there is a long history to why we get here, and we ought to do a show on that. How did we get to Kant? Because that will, that will kind of be, uh, that will kind of be Round in two. and of it. It actually is a fascinating yeah. um, history. History really to the smallest bare bones. Let's think of it this way. Around the 14th century, the, uh, the Christian understanding of creation, right, mm. as having an inherent order, ordered towards the creator, having distinct kinds and ends. Yep. These things are discernible with reason, but reason illumined by divine revelation, there find fulfillment in it. That begins to become a problem. What happens is in the understanding of God, history of Islam in particular, a notion of God um, no longer as the infinite source being itself, 
right? The great I am. Right. But now understood as sheer will, right? Mm. The core attributes of this God is just arbitrary will in which there is no reason consistent with God's nature why God chose to do this or that. It's just blind and arbitrary. Um. And that that creates an alternative view of creation, right? Mm. Now creation is made in the image, in some sense, of God as sheer power, right? Yeah. Powerful yeah. forces, uncontrollable. So now, all of a sudden, you have nature, red tooth and claw, right? Yeah. It's not unfolding the purposes of God. It's unleashing its own inherent power, right? Mm. Autonomy. All of a sudden, Which is you how have we got few, Darwinism. Pretty that, there, that's there really you helpful. go, naturalism and Darwinism, yep. right? And now the next one, humanity. Well, if humanity is made in the image of God, right, yeah. then humanity must be chiefly dis- understood as autonomous, like God, free, <sighs> and that freedom must be of the same type as God, unorigin, having no origin other than the self-willing. So oh. we become. We are the positors of our own self and being. Our choice almost is creator of ourselves and reality. We are God. Right? Wow. We, we get that. See, this all comes shift in, in understanding of God, shift in understanding of nature, shift in understanding of human, also shift in understanding of history, right? Yeah. History now becomes this, this uh, providence. gets melted into history almost as a will unfolding its own set of forces. Ugh. These each start to get into conflict with each other. And so really, if you want to get to the, the point we are in, in, in history, you're seeing all these differing, um, yep. these differing levels of competition. Now, notice that word competition. Because this God is simply the, the most powerful thing around, not ontologically distinct, right. simply mm-hmm. just a lot of power. Right. This God becomes a threat to me. Because we're competing on the level of power, right? right? We're right. on the same power grid. God just has more. Yeah. So the only way that I can get this God to give me space to truly realize yeah. myself is to get that God out of the way. Mm. And so we create a, a system, a buffer to do that. Secondly, nature is a threat because nature, if it's got its own will and power, is going to do something limiting my own mm. uh exercise my own agency and power and similar to history so what the initial enlightenment was about descartes i think therefore i am it was trying to establish in his own subjectivity his own think i think therefore what i posit my own being right he's he's of this of this um strand right so he basically through his own self-constituted reason becomes the ground of his knowledge of God right. and everything else. Right. And now he is able to tame this God through his reason, and he's able to tame nature. And so science becomes an instrument through which not we understand the gift of creation and, and, and move along with its created purposes. It no longer has anything other than blind, arbitrary purposes. We mm. must bring it underneath our rationality to govern it, control it, so that it doesn't override our freedom. Mm. So man-centered. Yes, man-centered. So, And we have a whole host of theologies, right, running along with this, right? And a lot of times the assumptions of that, because they've been institutionalized, they run right into the church without, without knowing it. Now, Kant is an intensification of this. Kant is saying that 
that more than us being sort of the ground of our own reason, um, we, we actually are active, not merely in, in, um, in receiving information and then somehow trying to make sense of it, but we actually are fundamentally active in constructing everything that we know. What do I mean by that? Well, because we no longer have access to the inherent nature of things through a rational creation ordered to God. So we cannot know God in himself, right? Nor can we know anything in the world in itself. We can only know these things as they come to us through our sense experience. But our sense experience, right, is is only the, the condition for for us to actually impose our rational um, categories onto reality. So we never know reality in itself. We always know it as filtered through our rational categories, which are a part of our constitution, right. not the way the world is. Right, right. So we are legislating through our constitution onto, um, onto the world, and we are the ones also self-legislating. That means right. we are defining what laws and ethics are consistent with our subjective right. Wow. Um, this is like desires. the second great awakening. This is like how we got all the theology with uh, women pastors in our church. I mean, uh, but, yeah, you, no, we're going to get, I think, so right now I've been, um, I'm sorry, go ahead, Gabe. I no, know, I'm just, I'm just your rattling mind's off blown all, up the, right all the connections. <laughs> okay. so I'm like, this is, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, 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 I really needed this. So thank you so much for doing this time. One of the things You're that welcome. there's a book that I started reading by Francis Schaeffer called escape from reason. And I'm seeing yes. this image now, um, come together where he talks about the two tiers, the upper tier and the lower yes. tier. And the upper tier yeah. is uh, grace. And in the lower tier is nature. And he says what ends yeah. up happening is because we have a wrong view of nature, uh, we take yeah. nature and put it in the upper tier and, and the lower tier begins to eat up the upper tier. And now we project what should be of, yeah. of grace, right? Of God, right? Onto yeah. creation, yeah. which we start projecting ourselves onto creation, which it seems like exactly what you're saying here, right? Is that kind of the yeah. same setup? Uh, yeah, and, and, and Schaefer, I think he, he wisely was able to um, distinguish the, the upper and lower. Um, my only critique of, of, of uh, Schaefer at this point was that he draws Thomas Aquinas into something that Thomas yeah. is not guilty of. But okay, that's okay. That's what, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I knew you might. I, yeah, like, I, I picked up on that too. I, I was <laughs> like, man. Where, where, <laughs> okay, so what, 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 what is it that Kant did at this point with that kind of understanding and leading it? What, what was it that started to fashion in American culture from this idea? Well, I think what you get going on here is the, this divide between, um, maybe an easy way into it is like fact-value. Um, what, what happens is the only things we can have any kind of knowledge of, of what Kant calls pure reason are those things that we can sense and therefore from our sense perception put our rational categories on. So even though we don't know anything in of itself, we know something um, because it impacted us in order to think about it, yep. and we have to think of it this way. Okay, Experience so that's, and reason. That would be yeah. the, that's right. But, and it's strangely, he would call that the realm of fact, right? It's the realm of science for him. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. So he, he A lot of like people would call that, that fact these days. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're right. You know. Well, that, that helps you see how that, that, uh, that weak ground leads to the kind of loosening of, 
of, of, of empirical facts. For real, that real quick, real quick, uh, Tom, just let me interrupt mm-hmm. just real quick. I don't know if you guys saw President Trump's uh, speech at the um, in South Dakota. At Rushmore. At Rushmore on, on 4th July. Um, the yes. way CNN and ABC and all these other media outlets have covered that speech. Oh, it's, it's like crazy. You go listen to the speech. And it's like there's nothing wrong with the speech. And they're, but they're saying like this is racist. This is divisive. This is yeah. he's yeah. dividing our yeah. country through the speech. Because, and I'm just Gabe, like, Gabe, because that's the experience they had. Exactly. Right. And if that's the experience exactly. they had, then that's their apprehension of the facts. Yeah. I mean, it's been unbelievable <laughs> yes, and, how they cover that. Go ahead. Well, you, you hit you hit a great point, and this is something I think we'll come to. Is this is where my big point is with the church? Is this whole psychological the moving things out of the realm of of fact um, or any connection to a, a broader reality besides ourselves? Right, um, sets the conditions for an almost emotional, therapeutic, psychological mm. way of relating to everything yeah. because no longer is it moored to any kind of uh, anything more. Right. No, no kind of inherent order of things. No, no true order that we orient ourselves in relationship to. Therefore, there's nothing there. It's amorphous. So the psychological is the is the easiest way in. And so what what is it? Well, these interpretations are psychological trigger mechanisms, right? It's wow. like saying witch during the witch trials, right? Yeah. It's, it sets the frenzy going, and, and so that what you're seeing is psychological conditioning has replaced the capacity to, um, to, to evaluate and engage with, with reality. And but, that, um, the other thing you mentioned, mm-hmm. though, as far as like uh, sheer will being behind all of it, seems i mean that's the other yeah. piece of this so yeah. you don't have truth you don't have an inherent structure to the world that we're trying to conform be conformed to rather yeah. all, all that there is 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 pure raw will driven by me and my experiences yeah, my feelings right. and that's right. and that's that's the highest authority there is and turns out if you get you know, you know a mob together uh, you can get a lot more done than just one guy. Yeah, yeah. Right. But but that's yes. that's all yes. there is is sheer emoting, yeah. you know, power grabs. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yes. Well, and what what's interesting is what how Kant um, actually like brings the culmination this move in theology from conceiving of God in the classical sense to sheer will, the highest will within a shared order of wills. Right is it makes will be at the center of everything. And so what postmodernism was able to do is it, it was able through Nietzsche and, and, and really Marx and some other figures is able to expose the kind of will at, at the heart of right. Kant's project. Right. So Kant wasn't returning to classical notions of reason. He was actually, reason was a, a certain um, mechanism of the will. Mm. And it's the way, it's, it's almost the instrument of the will to impose a certain kind of form onto it that is consistent with it. Now, the will itself, along some of the, the thinkers that went this way, would itself be the closest thing to reality. And so they would see it as like the deepest, you know, the deepest right. connection mm. with the world because the world is like Schopenhauer said, a, 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 a will and Nietzsche, will to power. So mm. you have these things, they grow out. But what happens with, uh, well, back to David's point, with the, the fact-value issue, um, is is what happens to theology, for example, and the doctrine, even the, the kind of, the things we classically held as we understood creation, as ordered, 
distinct kinds. Right. Well, these things are no longer a part of the fabric of, of, of the world in itself, and if they are, we can't know it. Mm. So they must be either presupposed to make sense of our, uh, the, the way we reason, or they're merely things that are in the, in the realm of value. They're things we, we value and create um, because they're consistent with, with um, the way we're constituted. Um, but that gets challenged later, um, right. and, and because pe people basically argue that people end up willing and wanting and thinking differently, so you can't really say everyone thinks and feels this way. Um, but you make a great point. Um, uh, Iris Murdoch put it this way, um, this shift in Kant from Kant to the Kantian tradition, um, basically in the realm of moral philosophy, brought this notion of the will to be seen as basically the creator of all value. Mm. Values which were previously, in some sense, inscribed in the heavens and guaranteed by God collapse into the human will. There's no transcendent reality. The idea of the good remains indefinable and empty so long as human choice may fill it. Wow. That, that's kind of humanism, basically. Oh, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Kind of. I mean, it is, you know. <laughs> that's, like, yeah. that's like capital yeah. H. So this yeah. is so now, now, now this is making sense why... Gnosticism, I think Vody calls ethnic Gnosticism, where people yeah. are, you don't know my experience, has such a root now because we've been steeped in it for so long yeah. that it has a fertile yeah, you, soil to grow up in, right? You don't know. Oh, yeah. You don't know what it means to be a woman. You right. don't know what it means to be black. You don't know what it means to be white. You don't know what it means to be unless you're transitioning Asian. You know. And so yeah. all of a sudden we have all these competing guys that we have to make room for yeah. on the pedestal to worship each and, one, and right? That's right. And the thing is, there's no way anyone else can know those things based on the way they understand the world. Right. How can I know a shared experience if experience is so radically particular? This is why only people with bright yellow skin can do the voices for the Simpson characters now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. That's yes. real. Is, uh, you don't know uh, what it's like to be bright. I think it's, I think it's James Lindsay or um, uh, others have used this terminology too, but really this is the, the modern terminology is like standpoint epistemology. Right. Right. Where, yeah. uh, you know, my, my, my perspective where I'm standing, my epistemology is what dictates the truth for everyone else because I'm coming from here. And because, yeah. and because you can't, that doesn't, that can't possibly work. It's utterly insane. Right. That means you are at odds with everyone. And this goes back to the conflict thing. Right. Like you can't help yes. but then be deeply offended by everybody constantly. Right. There's a power struggle yeah. constantly. Yep. You're constantly competing. Yeah. Everybody is stealing from you, basically, or right. attacking you. Yeah, right. yeah. Everything is a microaggression appropriation or a macroaggression. Yeah. Because that's the law that right. you've set and, up. And, yeah. and, then, right. and how can it not then turn actually violent? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it's a no, great, great, uh, great kind of analysis of, Thank you. of kind Thank of you. these these things. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> if I may say so myself. Um, <laughs> but they, but they, but here's here's an interesting thing. Is so what happened? Well, Kant, Kant's aim was that this was something universal. He he was he was saying it as something that um, there wasn't going to be such a plurality of perspectives and everything else. They were actually, because we all shared in, <laughs> in our, our natures, again, he's, he's drawing off of an older right. uh, theological framework. Right. Therefore, there must be something universal to, uh -huh. to our categories of thought and the like. And that, that is one of the things that starts to get, get shattered. But one of the things that was a limit for Kant, because he at least acknowledged that there was something in itself that placed a limit on this, and even though we can transcend it and govern it, 
it was a, a next step in that. Uh, Fichte uh, was the, uh, uh, the the philosopher who basically said, "What? Why are you going to stop there, Kant?" And he basically mm. pulls all of the limits, mm. whether it's tradition, whether it's um, you know any anything that got in the way, especially the body and and its limit, nature, history, all of it basically had to be subverted right. to the self-positing will. And so, so we are completely the makers of reality right. and everything else. So if you if if a, if a boy wants to be a girl, yeah, he, there you go. Well, yeah. There's nothing to stop him. Yeah. So, right, well, his, yeah, his, right. his will to be a girl is the highest standard. So here's here's yes. here's what's messing me up because the thing that I think we were sitting in the car having this conversation in October and I remember looking at you and said, but Christians shouldn't get lost in this because we have theology <laughs> proper. We have an objective yes. reality of the word of God. The upper tier is, yeah. is we, of we grace. Have, we have this word. Creator creature distinction. We have that distinction. How is it that Christians are getting lost and getting eaten up with Kantianism? Yes, it's it's that that itself is a few books, but I'm going to give you one aspect. Of it. Uh, one one of them is is the weakening, and it, and even us in the reform world can be guilty of this: the weakening of our understanding of creation um, in in light of redemption. Wow. And so Genesis we oftentimes, that's right. We oftentimes look at the creation is so time bombed that it has nothing about it that that is worth um, resurrecting. But the ironic thing is, is what is it that is actually resurrected and vindicated in Christ's resurrection? It's the creation, right? right. Renewed, right. brought to its perf the initial stages of its perfection. Yeah. And so we can't cast off the goodness of creation and and those types and kinds that that Genesis sets as not merely the pattern that is going to be realized in history. These things are what all history presuppose. Right. Those natures and kinds are about me, whether I'm in fallen history or not. They are distinct. They're not going to be a race. So you can try to get rid of male, female, it, it, but it's it, on the level of the creaturely and the good of it. They're not going to be able to do it. It's, it's instamped into the goodness of creation, which precedes the fall, yeah. right? And so, although there is fulfillment, right, in Christ there is this and that, but that's looking at it in relationship to fulfillment, but it is not abandonment. Right. And so that's why the, the, the heresy, for example, the, the Old Testament God was this worldly, and the New Testament one is one that heavenly. is, you know, yeah. heavenly, um, or the Gnostic notion, or, or different types of Gnostic notions. Sure. The creaturely is contaminated and bad, and so true yeah. liberation is to be liberated from all of those kinds and distinctions and orders and relations that right. God set in motion at the creation. And so what we need to do is, first of all, get back to a certain evangelical metaphysics of creation. Yeah. What is the very nature of the kinds and, and, and the created order, the moral order? Um, what, it, what is it? What is the nature of those things and the purpose of those things? What tell us? What yeah. goals and purposes do these have, both in the long term and in the creaturely unfolding? Mm -hmm. Then we need to, of course, um, understand those and unpack those in a way that it contrasts them with the way in which the idolatrous alternatives have embedded themselves in the church. Um, that's a hard task. It's what I call, you know, everyone has their deconstruction and their demythologizing. I, I see it as sort of idolatry critique, right? Yeah. Um, and, and when we understand the, 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 
that who God is and all things relative to God, we now have the divine light from which to understand these things properly, to bring all thought into conformity to Christ. And part of that task is retrieving the truth of the goodness of creation, though fallen, blown in and of itself, but uh, resurrection and being brought to its consummation in Christ. That whole vision, not just the redemptive side, needs to be right. needs to be asserted right. because that's what so is good. actually getting shaved off. I'll right. give you an example where. How many times do you hear? Well, in Christ there is neither male nor female, this or right. that, right? Right. right? right. Now, in a Gnostic reading, that's because creation, the, the, the creation itself, the kinds and the distinct kinds, are merely something yeah. that was just the stepping stone to redemption. Now mm. you can just get mm. rid of them. Oh. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, Tom, get get rid of your philosophy jumble stuff. Your li- all right, you know, talk. Uh, yeah. Make a clear articulation of the relationship yeah. between what is currently going on with social justice and the church. Okay. What is currently going on with social justice in the church? Um, well, one thing is, um, I think there there is, as I've long time said. There's been a strong alignment of the church with the culture, and yeah. um, especially the enter- entertainment culture and the therapeutic culture. And so you've already have a softening of the theological vision, and then you've also basically have the theological vision reinterpreted in the therapeutic, and therefore salvation is all about me, me wow. myself, and I, yeah. my best life now. Um, how God can make me fulfill my purposes. Theology is a function of me. Here's your Kantianism and your, your yeah. Descartes, right? Sure. Um, so God, the theology of God. I, I mean, and look, this is where I even say people mean well. I mean, the, the Reformers always like to talk about the, the, the aspects, the practical dimensions. Like, it's no good to speculate about God all day if it doesn't show itself in, in obedience, right? Sure. True. But what happens when it all when that that obedience gets severed and becomes everything? God becomes an idol of this process rather than God being the pearl of great price. Right. And so, since God isn't pursued for God's own sake, He's pursued mm. for my purposes. Mm. Yeah. And so, what happened? What happens there is in this in this therapeutic individual, you know. They become the first to be critiqued as the embodiments of the social structures and hierarchies of the general culture. Yeah. And so when you have these, these movements grounded in their of, of liberation, see the church and its ties to that social order, the church becomes a prime target as being one of the oppressors. Yeah. And so, because it, it is basically embodied the the cultural life of the society in order to make its, its relevant. Mm. <laughs> and wow. so, when it becomes that, it has a choice. Do I go with the new trend and denounce my alignment with all of that, and now become a social justice warrior with a Christian gloss, or... Do I defend the the uh-huh. old order of entertainment um, entertainment right. uh, pragmatism? You know, mm. wow. shallow and entertainment so what pragmatism. It is, is, yeah. So what you have going on in the church, this easy abandonment about both. I, I sort of I have to chuckle with sadness if that makes any sense <laughs> um, when I hear these kind of so-called uh, evangelical leaders who have walked away from God. Right. I mean, first and foremost. If they've moved to a point of atheism, so they never had a clue of what the, what was meant by that's God. Right, right. Um, but but secondly, 
um, it just shows you how this this easy ability to walk from one fashion to another right. is really that thinness that is underneath this kind of spirituality. Right. And and so what makes social justice as attractive? Well, it's a form of passionate religion. It has a telos. It has a view yep. of salvation. Yep. It has an ethical orientation that's serious. They're willing sometimes to even die and destroy from it. Yep. It's iconoclastic. Yep. It's yep. the it's you can have a new reformation even <laughs> if it's it's a godless one. Right. Um, in the name of uh, uh, humanity, you, right. you have uh, all the things that the the classical evangelicals have failed to address. And like uh, I said, when we gut true religion from true theology, we create the conditions for something to fill the void right. in that. Right. That's what this that's, this that's, is. And social justice, by the way, is, is yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, and social justice is thievery. They stole the term itself from Catholic moral teaching. Sure. It doesn't belong to, to right. uh, the the, right. the Frankfurt School or, right. or anything yes. like it. True true social justice is biblical justice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's but, right. But you know, as, as yeah. you were talking, Tom, I was I was thinking, you know, when you go to creation, it seems to me. I mean, I've I believed this for a while, but you're underlining yeah. um, this idea that. Um, just how important believing Genesis one yeah, and two really, is, yeah, that's yeah, right. and and yes, so you've had yeah. conservative reform denominations for decades, older uh, allowing men to be pastors and elders yeah. who deny basically you know just basic six day creationism, yeah. and and, yeah. and and when you have and it seems to me that you can't I know you know they they're, they're theistic evolutionists or day age or you know uh, framework yeah. hypothesis or all these kind of things. But it seems to me that even there, where they're trying to hold on to some kind of sense that you know God's behind it all and everything else, you've already obliterated that the sort of the the glory of the the harmony of creation, the yeah. goodness of creation, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the beauty of the it. The beauty of it, all, yeah. all of it being just right. When when you when you posit thousands and millions of years of chaos, yeah. even directed by yeah. God in some weird way, it all you are yeah. all you're left with then is God willing it. It's it it's, it's, yeah. it's it's not a yeah. it's not an artist creating something beautiful that then we we appreciate and we are conformed to but rather it's God yeah. used chaos God used violence God used death God used decay God used all the you know somehow and then tada here yeah. we are and that's your creation story and that's your creation story yeah. <laughs> what could yeah. go, what yeah, could well, go wrong if that's your origin story <laughs> Yes, that, that's right. No, it, it, great. I, I, I take it a little bit, you know, as, as my colleague uh, Glenn Sunshine t says, I'll take it a step further. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the things I like to say is that even entering in a debate about the scientific and historical nature of those things already has imported yeah. a notion of history that's indebted to Kant. Mm. Um, because, the, because history, if we want to understand it properly, is what is being communicated in that text. Amen. It becomes the set of reference points, kinds, Amen. types, the ordering of days. and We're so far removed. We think there's a natural history that we can interpret Genesis in. Do you see? Oh, natural yeah. history yeah. becomes the external the frame right. from yeah. which, and rather, the, the Genesis text is already theologically, a theological reading of history. Amen. Because in the beginning, yes. right, we're, we're, we're starting with something that it, in and of itself is not bound by time, nor is it one of the actors in time, but is the agent and that brings time into being, sustains it, and orders yeah. it. So we already are looking at history in a radically different way than right. the way even, you know, some people with goodwill want to talk about a realist understanding of, of this. It's right. far more realist when we have 
the full theological understanding. So, right. yes, you're right, but I, I, I would like to say yeah. and push it even further. We need to dig so deep into our own theological riches that we can expose the the, the endless right. lines in which this alternative vision has gotten into our wow. into our thought and expression and practice. So I want to I want to tie this together and end right here. Um, you mentioned earlier that uh, what what's happened in the modern church is that we've pursued God for our own sake instead of you know this is why our our chief end of man this is why our catechism is so important. What is man's chief end man? Glorify God, to glorify God, enjoy Him forever, right? Yes. And and so, what we've done with the creation narrative is we've basically made that man-centered, and then what we've done with our modern church narrative is we've made it man-centered. I mean, the worship experience experience is for me, right? Exactly. Yeah. I I don't know if I can interrupt you, but I was, I I was, I was actually thinking about this along the lines when you're saying, you know, I think we've, uh, we've fall into this and probably good intention people. And one of the, one of the ones I was thinking of actually is I, I really have appreciated John Piper um, yeah. over the years. I think yes. a good man, godly man yeah. has taken really strong stands on many issues, abortion, yeah. a- all kinds of great stuff. Love him, respect him to death. It's been <laughs> shocking. Maybe it shouldn't have been to me to see um, some of the people coming out of his orbit now, totally taking really? on the social justice thing whole hog right Um, and and he's like what what's going on and and the thing that i'm i think is happening is i i think completely unintended by him is when you have that i mean you remember famously in in desiring god took the first question of the uh catechism and said you know we um the chief end of man is to glorify god by enjoying him forever right which i think there's something glorious and beautiful about that right but if you've already redefined functionally what god is What are you actually, yes. what, are, what are you feeding into that? You're feeding my, my enjoyment then and my joy and my, truly my psychological health right. yes. has now be, yes. has become God. Or, or primary yes. in that relationship. And, and, right? that, that, interesting, a post-Kantian Feuerbach, right, who gave us, uh, you know, it's a stepping stone to Marx, said that very thing. <laughs> what you end up getting is the projection of the highest human ideals up into yeah. the transcendent. Right. Mm. And we even become alienated from them and we need the therapy to reconnect us. <laughs> right. But I, so we create the problem and then we solve it through our own oh, kind of self-centered we religion. Better shut oh up. my yeah. gosh. Oh man, that's yeah, it's, I, but I think that's how even people who are I think really really close to us in certain ways theologically yeah. all of a sudden you say like how are you falling for this? Yeah. How are you how are you yes. walking into this? And, yeah. I, and I think the ground shifted on under a lot of us really, really fast. We've been yeah. inculcated in it for so long, we don't yeah. even know that this is what we're because even dealing with. Because we haven't with. been yeah, taking classes from Dr. Price. That's right. <laughs> uh, okay, what did you, where did you want to end it? Because I have a question. I, yeah, I just wanted to tie together the, the no, uh, what we've done with creation and, and, and how we now see yeah. God for our... We've redefined our, we've God. Redef- yeah, we redefined creation, then we redefined yeah. how we sought God for... for his glory which, for which, our good, you know. And, and basically, though, that means, and he said earlier, he, he says, I mean, that messes with salvation. Because if, and his point about a bunch yeah, of right. theological leaders becoming right. atheists is like, I don't even know if they knew God. Right. I mean, that's right. I, yeah. I mean, the God yeah. they're worshiping. Yeah. Were their fillings. What, yeah. yeah. It, Idolatry from the heart. Yeah. It, it's it's like, right. it's like all those screens are yeah. just mirrors. <laughs> and and yeah. they're, and they're stroking their egos and their emotions yep. and trying to feel good. And then you, you got your hit. Yep. That's yep. not Christianity. And no. after 20 years of that hit, it gets old and boring. And yeah. Okay, so you've tried twice. Well, that's and right. It has, it, has no, it has no spiritual 
substance to it and yep. therefore makes these alternatives very attractive. Yep. Yeah. So, okay, I, then I'm going to end here. I'm going to take this one. I thought I was I'm going to say, here, I, you tried twice <laughs> and told I, me interrupted. I, 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 I can do this for I another. I keep talking for several I, more hours. I, I, I really do. I, I, I feel like I'm just getting my hands wrapped. This is how I felt in the car, too. I feel like I'm just getting my hands wrapped around this. Social justice is deeper than most what people are getting That's in right. churches. Yeah. That's right. It has yeah. more substance. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah, a better yeah, religion. I think, I think you just said a very, very profound thing. It's yes, a I better mean, religion. It's trying to, and it's trying, I mean, these people are willing to get up and, and serve their God, even if it is their own belly. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, uh, go ahead. The, the fix all that, right, no, <laughs> no, guys, look right. at, we, we need this so bad. Yeah, I am right. not concerned right. about the clock until you guys have to run. Well, I but, get it, I get it. Okay, but, 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 but listen, one of the things that I've been, since I left from you in October, been reading Francis yeah. Schaefer, and Schaefer yeah. blew my mind with Escape from Reason too. but one of the things that I've been seeing, though, this is, goes back to a really, really basic answer. And I think part of the answer is in the Bible reading challenge. Mm. People who mm -hmm. know their Bibles, people yeah. who are studying their theology proper, understand the nature. I mean, I went and got the doctrine of God again by frame because I need to start there again mm. to have the yeah. right understanding of who God is. Right. I went and got Calvin's Institute so I could understand the nature of God, yeah. the nature of man, because I realized those things that are supposed to be our anchors have drifted yeah. so far now that I'm yeah. reimagining the definition. I'm becoming postmodern and, re and Kant. Kantianism is influencing me so much that I'm reimagining all those pieces thinking I'm fighting for yeah. objective reality. Right. Uh -huh. And right. so I have yeah. to go do a yeah. fresher course. And so anyway, I, I'm just starting off there. You take and you, you do whatever you want to do with that price. You can take and finish that up from there. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm encouraged that people are, are being pressed to where, I mean, to retrieve the riches that we have and not, not go looking for a, a creaturely alternative. Um, we have both, first of all, first and foremost in scripture, final authority, chief, chief, um, but also in the wisdom of the church, um, not as the same level of authority, but a collective insight of people who try to faithfully interpret that scripture under challenges much like ones well, we are facing now. Yeah, I mean, that's how yeah. we pressed out our core doctrines. Yeah. We had to clarify what we understood because there was a challenge to them at a particular place. So I think our anthropology, our understanding of humanity, mm. our understanding of, cre uh, you know, a full understanding of creation, and all that is entailed with that, kinds, purposes, um, uh, uh, fulfillment, um, culmination, all these things have to be returned to. Yeah. It is a rigorous task, but yeah. it, is the, it is the means by which, as, as one of my former teachers says, we're weaned off of our idols and our mm. minds are purified and hearts are purified. And that's, I mean, if you think of the commandments, right? Um, what is the first command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, mind, strength. Tied to that, of course, you, we have the, the not making God into a creature, right? Because right. That, that would be placing mm -hmm. the heart on that which couldn't deliver. Yeah. But is that, because God need, is that because God needs us to do that? No. Yeah. <laughs> God is from everlasting to everlasting perfectly realized the fullness of being I am. Yeah. So it's for the creation. And so this is the same thing. Is creation ordered properly is towards and resting in. Right. It's receiving from the creator. It's yeah. being and and form. And the rest of the commandments are one, our love is centered the right way. They follow, right? My neighbor is no longer my enemy. You can love your neighbor as yourself. They're a gift mutually 
um, mm. uh, connected for the for the kingdom and the creation, mm. not a competitive mm. enemy which I need to lord over in order to exact something only God can give from them. Yeah. And so, so yes, this stuff is fundamental to getting the the the, the horizontal, the ethical yeah. Yeah. Uh, vision of the church. In Man, the right. You are a good Australian brother. You know, that? are you sure you're not like side tuned Brendan Kate's cousin or something? You know, you know, this is why get the fight, laugh, feast app. This is why we created the network. Right. This is, I mean, right. honestly, going through the right. network this past month since I had the baby and had some time to listen oh, you've been doing uh, again. That? Yeah. I listen oh, to every man. show and, and, and it, we have such a great network. This yeah. is a great Amen. reason by that. Yeah. I and love working with you guys. Listen yeah. to this yeah. show every week. Theology podcast. Theology podcast, man. This is a fabulous show and boy, just get fit constantly from right. the show. All right, last thing. Okay. Oh. Okay. It was the scope yeah. of my rifle. Some okay. of you are watching this. Some of you are watching this. You say, "Why are there stitches in your forehead?" Well, I went well, shooting on Fourth of July, and you know, we, yeah. it got a little exciting. Okay. Well, we'll be praying for the, for your head and for your rifle. I wonder how it looks. Yeah. <laughs> you should um, see that rifle. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, Tom. Appreciate it. If you're single, get married. If you're love married, it. have kids. If you have kids, go baptize them. Until Wednesday, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight. Laugh and feast. This is Cross Politic. Now, while the whole interview with Dr. Price is good and I enjoyed it, one of the things that I use more than anything else that he said was the idea that ideas don't just have consequences, the ideas themselves are the consequence. When I thought through that and I understood, like, wait a second, the very the very fact that we have a certain idea is already the beginning of its own judgment, right? Like it's the ideas themselves. The fact that we're thinking about things a certain way, understand things a certain way. It's not that we start operating on those things necessarily immediately. The ideas themselves should tell us that our worldview has shifted and changed. And those are the consequences that lead to the consequences that we currently face. So I, I, look, anytime you get a chance to listen to Tom Price on the Theology Podcast, I recommend you do it. Go download the Fight, Laugh, Feast app. There are a bunch of great shows on there. Theirs is one of my favorites. I love Knox Unplugged. Cross, you got a lovely library of content on the Fight, Laugh, Feast app. Past shows. These past shows that some of you didn't even know existed. I suggest spending your time in that library and finding some great things. Also, I've said it before earlier this week. We are going to be updating our app. We are able to do this because so many of you have signed up to become a Fight, Laugh, Feast club member. And because of that, we want to give you a great experience uh, for, for, for on the app and for the shows that we do and the content that we create. We want to be competitive in that market. And we can only do that because you have signed up to become a Fight, Laugh, Feast club member. Can I say thank you to all of you? Some of you have been with us since the very beginning when we were above a piano shop that was dusty <laughs> with horrible equipment. And you guys stayed with us and have been supporters for years. I want to say thank you. And everyone else out there who maybe couldn't sign up to be a Fight, Laugh, Feast club member. I want to say thank you for sharing and liking the show, telling people about it so much. We'll go to a place or go to a town. And people will say, hey, my friend told me about this show or somebody sent me this episode. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for talking about us because we are we are fighting the YouTube and Facebook algorithms. We are blacklisted on YouTube because of the whole COVID thing and getting the truth out and other things that we've said that it's hard for us to grow the, the traditional YouTube way, the algorithm way. And so when you go and you tell other people about the show, 
we are able to break that embargo of YouTube and of Facebook. Facebook used to give us somewhere between five and 7,000 views every show. We were getting up there even to 10,000 views during COVID time. But what happened was they put us, YouTube and particularly Facebook is a pay to play. Steven Crowder nailed that one. And when you get past a certain, I think, what do we have? Something like 16,000 people on Facebook that follow us, something like that. Um, We only will get four to 500 views of a show on Facebook because they have bottlenecked it because they want you to pay. I get it. It's their business plan. That's not how we're trying to work and model. We still need to grow. And when you tell other people about the show and they find us and you share a link and you send it to them, we get to break that embargo when you like. That is huge for us. Comment in the thread. That's huge. All those little things, they don't seem like a lot, but they are. So I just want to say thank you. Keep up the great work with that. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. So if you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations, the world's largest classical Christian homeschooling community. I'm launching a new podcast, Refining Rhetoric. If you like cross politics or just listen to hear what crazy stuff they're saying today, you will enjoy Refining Rhetoric. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform. I practice the 15 tools of learning by interviewing great guests, looking at current events, and talking about cryptocurrency. Putting off writing that proposal again? Yeah, we've been there. Proposal writing can be tough. It takes work. And if you're not careful, you can set up your company for failure. Well, that's where we come in. Smart Pricing Table is an innovative application that focuses on, well, the pricing table. Instead of a static document and constant back and forth, our platform creates interactive proposals that empower your prospects. Not sure if something is needed? Make it optional. Have complicated services that vary? Let your customer do the work with line item upsells. Have reoccurring services? Easy peasy. With Smart Pricing Table, you can create attractive proposals quickly. And our system is built for reuse, so you can get out of that hamster wheel. Give your customers choice and close deals quickly with Smart Pricing Table.